Hey, um, I got a bit of an imagine if for you, all right? Imagine this. Imagine you're on a boat, but it's not a boat, it's like a big ship, and you're sailing along in it, and then imagine that a massive storm comes up, and things get real crazy, there's big waves, stuff's going everywhere, it's bad. You fall off the ship into the ocean, and so now you're bobbing around in the ocean, waves are crashing, and your friends on the ship are like, we can't turn around the ship because it's a big storm and a big boat, and... I'm sorry, maybe they grab like something on deck, like an esky or something, you know, like those coolers that you fill up with drink at a barbecue. They chuck you like an esky into the ocean and like, hold on to this, we'll come back in the morning when the storm's gone. They're pretty bad friends. And they keep sailing and so you're left in the ocean clinging to this esky for dear life as the waves come and it's getting pretty heavy. That's a pretty bad situation, isn't it? That's a pretty scary thought. Basically, if you hold on to that esky until morning and the sharks don't get you, then you'll survive and you'll be all right. But if you let go of that thing, you're done. You're drowned, it's all over. Your life depends on clinging to that esky. That's a scary thought, isn't it? What if you're not strong enough? What if a big enough wave comes and it knocks the esky out of your hands and you bubble down? What if, what if you just get tired in the night and you're holding on for so long that you just get tired and fatigued and you give yourself a little break and then the esky's gone? What if you just lose your concentration for just a second and it slips out of your hand you're done. When, you're, when your own life is in your hands, literally, as you cling on to something to save yourself, it's a scary thought, what if you're not strong enough to hold on? Now, Christianity is about a message. Verse 16 that Ben just read out talks about the word of life. That's the message. It's the message that we saw last week when we saw the craziest thing that's ever happened in our world. Remember that? We saw that God Himself stepped into our world as a man and became our servant. He bled, he died to save us. Christianity is about that message. And the way to be saved is to hear that message, respond to it, and put your trust in it. Now, we're told in the Bible that you will be saved, you will go to heaven, not if you're good enough, if you keep all the rules enough. No, no, you will go to heaven if you put your trust in Jesus and keep your trust in Jesus until the end. The Bible's promise is that you'll go to heaven. And verse 16 says that we should hold firmly to the word of life. We should keep hold of this word of life. Now, in a sort of way, Jesus is a little bit like that esky that I was just talking about. Jesus is a little bit like a flotation thing chucked to a person in the water. They'd be lost, they'd be drowned, except Jesus comes and He's their rescue. He's their only hope. And so we've got to cling on to Him. And if we do that to the end, if we as Christians cling on to Jesus and stay holding on to Him to the end... The Bible says we'll be saved. But here's the scary thing. What happens if I let go of Jesus? What happens if I stop holding on to Him? What happens if I'm not strong enough to hold on to Him for my whole life and at some point I let go and I give up? Here's the question I want us to deal with tonight. If you're a Christian, if you put your trust in Jesus as of now, today, what confidence can you have now, right now, that you're going to actually keep your trust in Jesus to the end of your life? What confidence can you have now about the future that you're going to keep holding on to Jesus until the end? How do you know that you're going to make it to the end as a Christian? You might be one now, but how do you know you're going to stay a Christian? That's a big question, isn't it? It's a really big question. Uh, And this passage holds out some big stuff for us. It holds out some heavy challenges for us. It had some weighty things to say, but man, it's also got some really good news for us. Some really good news. 
Um, Ben's already prayed, and so let's dive into this passage together and see what it has for us, because it's got big stuff. Here's the first thing tonight. If you're a Christian, you've got a really important job, and here it is. You've got to keep holding on to Jesus. You need to do that. Have a look at verse 12. Pick it up. Verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. So Paul here is talking to some Christians who've done a good job of sticking it out with Jesus so far. They've been obeying when Paul was around. They've been obeying when Paul wasn't around. They've been doing a good job. And so Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation. That's a funny thing to say, isn't it? What does he mean by that? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, I thought the point of Christianity was that it's a message. Jesus came, he died, by his grace we're we're saved. That's what we sung just a minute ago, right? We don't earn our salvation, we don't work it and make it happen. Jesus is our rescuer. But here he says, continue to work out your salvation. Here's his point, right? You've actually got a job to do. You've got to hear me clearly what I, am and what I am saying and what I'm not saying, but you've got a job to do. And your job is to stay Christian. You actually need to work at it and grow in it and actively continue to trust in Jesus. You've got to do that. You don't earn your salvation. Jesus did that when he bled and died for you, but you must cling to him and you must continue to cling to him. And as you do that, remember, you're clinging to him as your saviour, the one who saved you, And you're clinging to him as well as your king. That's how you come to Jesus. You come to him as your king. And so you need to keep Jesus as your saviour and your king all your days. Trusting him and following him as your king. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about here. Um, I've got two boys, Luca and Gus. They always end up in my illustrations these days. Sorry about that. Um, But anyway, a few years ago, they worked out that the ground's pretty hard. And if they fall headfirst on the concrete, that's real bad. They don't like doing that anymore. They work that out. Um, and so these days when I hold on to them, they're an active participant in that, right? They kind of cling on to me, they'll hold on to me. Sometimes I like to play the game where I'm like, no hands, and they just kind of have to grip on like a koala on a tree, and like I see how long I can keep them there for, that's pretty fun, right? Um, but it hasn't always been like that. Uh, there was a time when they had no sense of self-preservation and they weren't holding on at all. And so that actually, they used to play this game with me, I think, where like I'm holding them, they're kind of vaguely holding me, and it's like they're waiting for that moment where I'm not concentrating. I'm like, I'm just going to get a drink over here. And then Gus would just be like, Phew! and try and throw himself out of my hands and try and make it onto the ground and kind of wreck himself. Like I remember one day where he did this right at the wrong time and I caught him by one foot and had him dangling upside down, right? So that's the game they like to play when they were little. Now they don't do that. Now here's the question. Can you relate to God like that? Is that how you can treat God? Can we go and do everything that we possibly can within our own power to push God away, run away from Him, do whatever we can to rebel against Him, walk away from Him, reject Him, and then know that in the end, well, He's always going to hold on to us and keep us and catch us, even when when we're running the other direction from Him. Can you relate to God that way? You've prayed a prayer in a camp, you've come to double up or whatever, you made some sort of a commitment, you did something once along the way, does it matter at all what you do with God now? Can you ruin your salvation? 
Well, the way Paul talks here, he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's a real danger that you as an individual in this life may walk away from Jesus. And so he urges us, keep following Jesus. Don't muck around with God. Actually have a right fear, a right reverence for God. Don't take his love for granted. Now, when it talks about fear of God there, I think it's the kind of fear that you might have for a father that loves you and so you rightly respect him rather than the kind of fear that a sinner might have of an angry God. I don't think that's the kind of fear we're dealing with here. But we're to have a right reverence for God and we're to actively continue to pursue him, not reject him and run away and turn away from him. Now, I need to make something clear as I say this and give this warning, which is the warning of the passage. I need to say this. I don't believe that a true Christian can fall away from God. I think other things that the Scriptures say about how God holds on to those who are His means that a true Christian won't fall away from God. But our experiences in life as we interact with people and we see people's lives unfold... Lots and lots of people claim to know Jesus and lots of those same people who claim to know Jesus one day go and reject him another day and go and live their lives and run away from him. So when that happens, when someone says, yeah, I'm a Christian and the next week they say, no, I'm not a Christian anymore and they go on and never come back to God. When that happens, that's not a person becoming a Christian and then becoming not a Christian, then maybe they go to another camp and they become a Christian again, but now they're not a Christian anymore. That's, it's not someone switching from being a Christian to not a Christian and backwards and forwards. What's actually going on is, when a person rejects God and walks away from Him, that's them showing that they never were a true Christian to begin with. That's what's actually going on. And so, in practical terms, in your life experience terms... It's possible to make some sort of a commitment to Jesus where you think you're putting your trust in Him, but later walk away from Him. If you do that, you'll show that you never were a real Christian to begin with. Jesus tells a parable called the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, which I won't take you to, but He tells this story about how the farmer scatters all this seed and it falls on all these different types of soil. One of the soils is this shallow, dodgy soil and the seed falls on it and it sprouts up into this beautiful big plant. And you're like, that's a solid Christian there. Look how it quickly sprouted up. It looks really good. And then just as quickly as that plant sprouted up, Jesus says the plant withers when stuff gets hard and dries up and it's done. It falls on shallow soil and so it doesn't have deep roots and it's gone. It's very easy to make a shallow, half-hearted commitment to follow Jesus one day. And lots of people do that and later on give up. And when that happens, that shows that it wasn't a real and deep and true commitment to Jesus. And so Paul says to here, warning all of us, we don't know who we are and what's our situation, Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so it really does matter that we continue to hold on to Jesus. And so guys, we've got to realise that how you live your Christian life really does matter. Being a Christian isn't a matter of making a one-off commitment on a camp or a double-up or something like that 
and thinking, well, I've prayed some prayer that a leader told me to pray, so I must just be safe from here on out and I don't need to worry about actually following Jesus and knowing Him and having a relationship with Him. It doesn't work like that. Being a Christian is about continuing in a lifelong relationship with Jesus. And so you put your trust in Him in a moment and that's real and true and that happens and then you continue to work that out through the rest of your life as you continue to trust Him for your salvation. And so guys, the decisions you make really do matter. You can't just give up on going to church or give up on going to youth or something like that and presume that's not going to have consequences for your life. You can't just kind of chuck in your Bible reading and your prayer and go, oh, I'll get to that when I finish the HSC or whatever. I'll get back to that another time. And presume that sort of a decision isn't going to matter. Who you spend your time with, who your closest friends are, who you date, one day perhaps who you marry, all of those decisions matter, matter massively. They shape your life. Your life is a series of decisions which together accumulate to the decision of, are you going to continue to follow Jesus or not? That's what's in front of you guys. And guys, I've got to warn you, I've been doing this youth group stuff here at EV Youth, I worked out today, for 15 years, okay? That's a long time. Um, I've seen thousands of teenagers come through this place, like literally thousands. Um, and one of the most painful things that I've seen again and again, more times than I can remember, is I've seen teenagers come through who seem to start down the road of following Jesus and then give up on Him. I've seen it more times than I care to remember. It's just painful to watch. It usually starts by just going a little bit lukewarm. So you kind of become a bit cold to this stuff and kind of get a bit less interested. And then it turns into a few compromises, um, a little bit more of a slide towards parties or whatever, or um, you know, stuffing up with this or that girlfriend or boyfriend. And, 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 and those people say to themselves, well, it's about grace. It's all about grace and I'm forgiven, so doesn't really matter what I do and you know what, how, what mistakes I make and over time those small compromises and small decisions where they just presume everything's okay because my parents are Christian I go to Eva Youth or whatever eventually where that leads for that person is I meet them one day down the, ra- down the road and they're saying no nah, I never really believed this Jesus stuff anyway thought it was real but I was a stupid little kid back then I never really believed in Jesus he didn't rise from the dead he's not God I'm just not into that stuff. That's where it lands lands in the end. And I've noticed over the years as well, it usually happens in that order. I've met hardly any people who are like happily following Jesus, committed to Him, and one day wake up and go, I don't think Jesus rose from the dead, so I'm going to make a careful decision to not be a Christian anymore because I'm not convinced He rose from the dead and I'm going to go away without... I've never met that person. (laughs) I meet the person who believes Jesus rose from the dead, believes he's God, believes that he is who he says he is and then they make small compromises and give in to sin and start to walk away and then over time, once their life has run the opposite way from Jesus, they need to justify their actions and so then they might say, oh, I don't think it's true but really what they're doing is actually just justifying the decision they've already made to to reject Jesus. Be very careful in your walk with Jesus. Don't let a thousand small compromises lead you away. So there's the warning. But guys, 
there's a huge encouragement here as well. There is a massive encouragement in this passage. Here's the second thing. On the one hand, we need to keep holding on to Jesus, but here's the incredible thing. Secondly, we need to trust that God is holding on to you. Trust that God is holding on to you. Check out verse 13. Straight after saying you've got to hold on to Jesus, he says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. He says, hold on to Jesus. And then he says, good news, God is holding on to you. He's working in you. He's got you. He's holding on to you. And so you keep working. You keep gripping on to Jesus with all your might because you can trust that God is holding on to you also. That's good news. See, there's a bunch of ways which we're actually pretty weak as people, aren't there? There's a bunch of ways where we're pretty not good at doing this whole Christian thing. Sometimes our failures as Christians come at the level of our actions, where we know what we should do, we know the good thing that we should pursue and do, but in our actions we still fall short and don't act the way we should. We want the right thing, but then we can't pull it off in our actions. But secondly, we're also pretty weak because sometimes even our desires are messed up. Sometimes we find that we don't even want the thing that we should want. We know we should want to follow God. We know we should want to read our Bible. We know we should want to say no to sin. But strangely, we find ourselves not even wanting the very thing that we know we should want. Our desires are messed up as well. Let alone do we have enough self-control to do what we want. Sometimes we don't even want what we should want. Verse 13 is good news. Did you see how God works in us? He works in us in two ways. He works in us to will and to act according to His good purposes. So He's actually at work in our wills, which is our desires, what we want. He's actually at work there, changing that, and He's actually at work in our actions, empowering us to act the way we should act. And so if you become a Christian, if you are a Christian... You are never alone in this thing. Even if all your friends run off, you're still never alone because not only does God save you, pay for your sin, get rid of it and wash it away, get rid of the guilt, He actually moves into your life by His Holy Spirit and starts to change you from the inside out. He starts to renovate you and make a difference so that your desires change as well as empowering you to live the Christian life by His Holy Spirit. And he does all of that so that he can see you continue to trust in Jesus. And notice as well the reason he does that. He works in your desires and in your actions for his purposes. Verse 13 says, in order to fulfill his good purpose. So it's not as if God's kind of looking at us going, who deserves my help? Who's kind of been a certain level of good enough so that I might give him a hand? has not anything to do with you, God is at work in you if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, God's at work in you and He's doing it for His good purposes. He's the one who decides, not because you're good or whatever, He's doing what He's going to do. And the good news is God's good at what He does. He's got good purposes and He's got a 100% success rate so far. He's never had a, a failure before, He always gets it done. You know what one of God's purposes for your life is, in fact? Just come back one chapter to chapter 1, verse 6. 
Check out this. Paul says he's confident of this, that God who began a good work in you, this, this church, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's plan for your life is? It's that you would stay Christian. God's planned that out, He's decided it, and He's going to continue to work for that. That's what He's doing. And as He does that, He'll do it through working through you so that you continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You give yourself to holding on to Jesus and God's working through all of that and He will keep you Christian until the end. Let me try and make this clear with a bit of an example. Um, Imagine you're studying for the HSC, which none of you have to imagine anymore because a lot of you have just finished the HSC, so that's good, well done. But imagine you were, imagine back then, um, you're studying for HSC. Caffeine is a little bit helpful when you're studying, isn't it? It kind of serves a small purpose where you're getting tired and you're sleepy and you're up too late or whatever, and so you're kind of coffee or Red Bull or whatever and you get jacked up on the caffeine, and it'll give you a bit of, like, you'll keep you awake for a few hours so you can do a little bit more study. But really... Caffeine is still pretty limited, isn't it, in its power? It can make you wake up a little bit, but it's not like you like have your Red Bull and then you're like, oh, now I'm much better at studying than I was a minute ago because I, I've got superpowers now from the Red Bull, although the ads may make us think that, right? Um, it's not as if it even fixes your desires so that you want the right thing. Like, you drink your caffeine, it's not like you're like... Instagram, YouTube, those things don't distract me anymore. I'm just going to study because I just love studying now that I've had my Red Bull. It doesn't really take care of all those problems. At its best, caffeine just kind of keeps you awake. But imagine they brought out a new drink. I've designed this drink earlier today. It's not real. Heads up. Life Aid, okay? Imagine they brought out this thing, right? And if you, if you crack open one of these in the morning and you have a big swig of Life Aid, imagine this. Imagine that it kind of does the caffeine thing so it wakes you up, but you stay alert all day long and that's pretty good. But not only that, it actually like strengthens your brain or something so that you're actually better at studying. You become good at studying because you drank some Life Aid. It's like Powerade, but for your life, right? Um, not only that, this miracle drink, right? You drink it, it changes your desires. And so you're like, I just love studying and I want to learn more. And so I'm just enjoying my studying now because I had my Life Aid. And so you become a better student. Your whole life gets on track because you drank some Life Aid. That'd be a pretty helpful drink, right? Who wishes they had Life Aid a month ago? Good, that's good. You didn't, I'm sorry. It's fictional drink, made it up, done that on my computer. All right, you're going to have to stick with caffeine and sugar. Doesn't help you. But when it comes to the Christian life, not in the can of drink form, but that's kind of what verse 13 is saying, right? God will work in your life. Like one, this is crass, but one massive can of Christian life aid. And so you don't need to do this on your own. If your trust is in Jesus, His Holy Spirit is in you, He's inside of you, and so He'll actually make you wise for life by His Spirit. As you open the Bible and see what His Spirit says, He gives you new affections, He gives you a new heart so that you want to continue to follow Jesus and keep growing and keep following Him. He gives you the strength to do what you should do as a Christian by that same Spirit. God actually comes and works in your life so that you keep hanging on to Jesus until the very end. Now, guys, if you're a Christian, this is such good news. 
What a huge comfort this is. If, you're, if, if making it to the end for you as a Christian was just about kind of hanging on to Jesus the Esky until the very end and hoping that you're strong enough, you'd have no confidence at all that you would ever see, see this thing through to the end. You'd have no reason to think that you'd get there. But if you're not alone in this thing, if the same God who worked to save you is now working in you by His powerful Spirit to keep you going, then you can have confidence that He'll hold on to you to the end. And so actively keep on following Jesus, keep holding on to Him and know that God is holding on to you. And guys, for those of you who aren't Christians, for those of you who haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus yet, um, this passage is big for you as well. Let me tell you why. I think one of the reasons that a lot of people put off following Jesus, a, lot of pe- a blockage that keeps people from following Jesus, is they hear this news about God's grace, that there's forgiveness on offer, and they go, that sounds pretty good, I would like my sins forgiven. But then they kind of look around and they go, but I know I need to live as a Christian to follow Jesus, and that just seems a little bit too much. I'm just a bit worried that I'm not going to be good at this whole living as a Christian thing. My life's pretty messy, I don't know if I can cope having Jesus in charge of everything... And you're just not sure that you're kind of cut out for the whole Christian thing. I think deep down a lot of people think that. Well, the good news is that not only does Jesus come and He offers forgiveness for your sin, for your past, He offers forgiveness, in fact, for your future mistakes. You don't stop being a sinner once you become a Christian. You'll continue to stuff up and make mistakes and still you're forgiven. But not only do you get forgiveness... The promise of the Bible is that God will move into your life and renovate it. He'll change you, He'll grow you, He'll work in you. He doesn't call you to come and follow Him in your own strength. He says, I've forgiven you, that's all me, and now come and follow me and I'll help you to do that as well. And so it doesn't matter how weak or unprepared or not good at this whole Christian thing you feel like you might be, come to Him, come by faith and trust in Jesus and know that God will give you everything you need to follow Him. So what that means is, there's not a single person in this room tonight who is not able to become a Christian tonight. There's no one sitting here who's just, I don't know, a little too far gone or not quite sorted out enough to become a Christian because the qualifications for becoming a Christian is like zero. You don't have to bring anything to the table, just come and trust Jesus And then trust Him to help you live the Christian life as well, and He will. You don't need to bring any qualifications with you. God offers forgiveness, and He'll carry you through this thing if you would give yourself to Him and trust Him and follow Him with all the strength that He gives you to follow Him with.